Hiya, welcome back to the Wise Yourself Up podcast. I am your host, Carter McGreevy, and in today's episode, I'm going to tell you about my three great loves, seeing as it's Valentine's Day. I also have a visa drama story yet again, and a funny story about bikini waxing. What's the crack? How are you doing? The wave effect is now over. My deep immersion with 18 incredible women came to a close on Wednesday, just before the new moon. It ran new moon to new moon. The new moon peaks today in Aquarius, and it's a really powerful new moon for departures and new beginnings, and it's funny because I'm departing to Australia today. It was a month of the women learning about themselves, integrating all their parts accepting and loving all their parts and learning to be with the hard parts, the parts that we can tend to neglect or reject and practicing being vulnerable. I think that's really important for us all to have ways in which we can practice being vulnerable because vulnerability makes us run for the hills, right? The course is designed to really help release limits that we can have around love and pleasure and all the possibilities, trauma and not being taught or have the tools to be with the whole spectrum of emotions and trying to manage emotions through avoiding or repressing emotions, which we do unconsciously, it's what we're taught what to do. It inhibits us from feeling the depths of pleasure, the abundance of joy that we can feel in our lives. It's important to remember that healing is not all doom and gloom. I mean, you have to go through the doom and gloom to get to the joy and the pleasure, but it's so worth it. The next one begins in April if you are interested and spaces will become available at the end of the month and it's very limited. Make sure you're signed up to the mailing list if you are interested in the course. There are some spaces left for the retreat in Donegal. I cannot wait to be back in Donegal so much. The retreat is all designed around releasing the shackles that we can be tying us down and we don't even know that we have them. And we really need to retreat and have the practice of being still and begin to realize what's really going on for us. The most important part of this treat is that you're so deeply cared for and let nature, let the ocean seduce you into deep relaxation because to be in a relaxed state is to be in a state of love. When our bodies are too contracted, we are in a state of fear. There's restricted flow and when we're really relaxed, there's such great flow in our bodies and in our lives. What happens in our inner world gets replicated in our outer world. I really believe in navigating life from a place of love and I didn't for a long time. I was always in a state of fear. My body had so much tension, it was unreal. And I feel really passionately about teaching the practices that help you come into that state of love and how to come back to it time and time again because very naturally we will become contracted again. We will move back into a state of fear in our lives but these practices of yoga and breath work and retreat help us come back to ourselves quicker. 
Right. Are you ready? Are you ready for the ballet drama that I don't even want to tell you about because I'm so sick of me. I'm so sick of chaos that I am. And, oh. And I've been here four times, so you think I would know. But this is the longest I've stayed in Bali. This time, I applied for my visa online, which I always do. It got rejected like a few days before I was due to leave for Bali. And it was much slower than what I remember before. Over a photograph. Now, you want to see the state of the photograph that I put up? Like, it was just a stupid photo. And they accepted, like, just a stupid selfie I took it for me in a hoodie, like. But it wasn't even like they wanted a proper passport photo anyway. It got rejected. And then I applied again with a different photo. And I was waiting on it coming through. But, of course, it didn't come through in time for me landing in Bali. So I just bought a visa on arrival, which you can do. Now, do you remember the first story I told you about me arriving in Bali, about me travelling for, you're talking, 24 plus hours at this stage. I was exhausted. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. There was issues over me not having a return flight. There's obviously a language barrier between me and the immigration. And so it's very difficult to navigate. And I was trying to explain this to him. I obviously didn't do a good job because I thought that it just got activated after my current visa. Like, obviously, I was just completely sleep deprived. And so then I went on about my life. Happy, happy, happy. Bally, bally, bally. And then over the past few days, I was like, I may be illegally here. Maybe my visa's expired and they haven't activated that 60-day one. I went to a visa office who are, you know, they're really good English speakers to help me. And they were like, yeah, it's not activated. You are getting charged £50 a day. So it's like 1 million rupiah, £50 a day that you're over and it's day 28. So I'll let you do the math there. Now I've had to negotiate with the visa office and the police to get the price down so that they will let me leave and let me come back. I had to give them my passport. Now this is making me feel anxious saying this all out. I'm just pretending it's not happening. I had to give him my passport, had to pay the money, and now when I go to the airport, I'm going to meet a man there, and he's going to help me get through immigration. Now, have you ever heard the likes of this in your life? Hopefully I get into Australia. That was another thing. I didn't apply for my ESTA for Australia until yesterday, thank God it came through, and I forgot to text Jamie Keenan to pick my flight. He said, I'm the most lackadaisy traveller ever. I mean, if you're anxious traveler, never, ever travel with me. Please pray for me. Pray that I get through immigration, everything goes sweet, that they're not going to put me in jail. Apparently, if you don't pay the fines, they put you in jail. I have paid it, but, oh, God, I don't know. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much regarding all your advice and stories regarding freezing my eggs. I am still getting through all the messages. I was very wrapped up in the course and I have a few people to get back to. I took yesterday off as well. I needed a day off my phone, but I will get back to you all. I'm also going to bring on a specialist. I'm going to bring on the hormone health coach, Maria, for an interview, which I can't wait for. So we'll finish up some of your shows and I just can't wait for you all to hear Maria's outlook on fertility from a Chinese medicine point of view. But this is the story I wanted to tell you. 
I was getting my bikini wax by a Balinese woman in Bali, obviously from holidays. So I'm going to Australia tonight, as I just mentioned. And of course, I'm legs akimbo. You know, in Bali, they're just like whip everything off. So I'm sitting there, just a t-shirt on, that's it. Legs spread eagle. And of course, I start making best mates with the woman. Turns out she's 38. She had her first baby at 31, which she said that it was old for Balinese culture. And I think she struggled to conceive. And then she had her second baby in lockdown at 36, which was really stressful for her, God love her, because, you know, they couldn't work and they couldn't make money and there was no travelers coming into Bali. And it just sounded so hard for them here. She told me to hurry up and have babies, which was so funny. And she was like, how come you don't have no boyfriend? And And she was just really, really funny. She was telling me that you need to have a son here because you have a boy and the boy stays with his mummy and then when he gets married, the wife goes and moves in with him and his mum and dad and stuff. But I don't know what happens if you have loads of sons. Do loads of sons and loads of the wives all live in the man and dad's house then? I don't know. I didn't get that far. My brain didn't work that fast. But isn't it wild how different all our lives are in the world in terms of culture and different things like that? And just the law here, I don't think that many people be using contraception. I think it's around 50%. I was trying to Google some research there and it said it's around 50% of people use contraception here. And obviously there's the whole law, I'm sure you've heard about it, where you get prosecuted if you're living with your partner before you are married. So it's very strict here and you face jail time. No sex before marriage here. Okay, on to great love. Are you doing anything nice for Valentine's Day? Are you into it? I normally do do something like with the girls. I would do something and when I have a boyfriend, I definitely have, you know, I would write a card and we'd cook dinner or something. It's just nice. I wouldn't go over the top like wouldn't be buying presents or anything but it's nice to do small gestures to your friends and the people in your life my mummy always gets me a card which is cute and I think yeah she would always get me like a chocolate or something to me great love like what's the definition of great love I think for me great love is someone where your life is different forever and you're different forever after it and it's a person who a part of you stays with them or like you know like throughout your life you'll always reflect on them because they were such a big chapter of your life it doesn't mean you have to be with them a long time but you know they changed the direction of your life or they were catalysts for big change it was so funny the amount of great loves we've all had is so different I shared on Instagram someone wrote in the comments it's funny how the younger people seem to have a lot more love maybe becoming more open-hearted and open to love the younger generations because I believe that they're you know more sensitive I think as humanity develops we're becoming more sensitive and that's what's needed for evolution and I definitely feel that in the younger generations the Gen Z's and all those ones okay right so it was 227 one person's had a great love of 32 three great loves of 42 one of 38 five of 37 Seven at 41, three great loves at 42, 56 and one great love, cute. One girl 
thought that she had loads, but she's just recently got completely blown away by this recent love, which has made her reconsider what love is. Two at 41, two at 26, one at 31, and then a beautiful shirt. I don't know what counts. Two significant relationships. Four boys I've loved that deeply impacted me. And that's so gorgeous. Age 25. And then I love this one. I would say three. And one of them a best friend. Not romantic. 37. My number is two. I've had two great loves. And yeah. Like two that I would count as great loves. On reflection now. And I might have said a different number at a different time in my life, but definitely I've sat with it and the number is two. Then you all shared your gorgeous favorite quotes about love, but for some reason Instagram's being weird and I can't share what you've replied. The two bloody stories I want to see the replies to, the wee eyes not on it, and that's so annoying. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. So sorry about that. If you shared a quote with me and I don't read it out, I'm sorry. I couldn't get to them in time. But I shared one of my favourite quotes on the thread and it was from an artist called Hayden Kays. And it says, the trouble with love is that it lasts forever. I'm really gorgeously a woman who follows who I interact with online shared that that quote really hit her hard in the comments and she messaged to say that she really loves her husband but that really hit her hard about her first love and I was like "Mm." because I often think about this I noticed with my own grandmother obviously my grandmother knew that she was going to die soon in terms of like she was 87 to 89 you know you're at that age you know (laughs) You don't have many years left. The way she would talk about the past. And there was one particular boyfriend she would often bring up. It obviously was another man that she had felt a connection with or loved, aside from my grandfather. My granny was with my granddad 60 years. And I always wonder who I will be talking about on my deathbed if I get to have, you know, that reflective space or that time when you know that death's coming if it's not a quick death. I've always wondered that. Who do you think you'll be thinking about at the end of your life? Do you think about that? Do you think about what great love you'll be thinking about or who will stay with you until it's time to leave this world? Someone shared that they've had three great loves and one of them was a friendship. And I know this girl and she had a wonderful friendship with her friend. You know when you're in the presence of great love and I really felt that in their friendship. This is linked to... I don't want to share people's names without their permission, but another gorgeous wee soul on Instagram who I connect with. I call her nurse because she's a nurse. That can be your code name in case you don't want me out in your shares on this podcast. The nurse contacted me saying about friendships being the best loves of your lives, and I suppose that's what Sex the City was always getting at, wasn't it? I really believe that as well. I mean... The most powerful love and great love I've experienced has definitely been through friendship as well as romantic love. She shared a quote from Dolly's book, Everything I Know About Love, 
When you're looking for love and it seems like you might not ever find it, remember you probably have access to an abundance of it already, just not the romantic kind. This kind of love might not kiss you in the rain or propose marriage, but it will listen to you, inspire you and restore you. It will hold you when you cry, celebrate when you're happy and sing all saints with you when you're drunk. You have so much to gain and learn from this kind of love. You can carry it with you forever. Keep it as close as you can. Oh, that's going to make me cry. How gorgeous is that? My granny really taught me that. I'm going to cry thinking about my granny. I grew up in a house where my granny, her friendships were king in their life, queen, whatever you want to call it. She had seven kids. She was devoted to my granda. I mean, he was ruined. She did so much running after him. But my granny really, I don't know where she found the time, but her friends and her community were so important and such high value to her. My granny went to Mother's Night every Wednesday and I loved my granny from I was six and she never missed it. She went every Wednesday dancing with her friends and every Saturday her friend Phyllis come over or she went to Phyllis's house. They used to switch and have a wee drink. She used to go shopping with, was it Anne Craig was her name? She had just all these friends. She went to Blackpool every year. She went on a trip to Nah. My granny is my great love. And I miss her so much. And I've been thinking about her a lot. And I remember this from so young that whenever we used to touch, we used to get electric shock. I don't remember anyone else I have this experience with. I just remember touching her and she'd be like, you shocked me again. It happened the whole way through our lives and I haven't had an electric shock with someone since my granny. My granny taught me so much about love. She used to get up, even if it was like three o'clock at night, if I was going away, to make sure that she watched me leave and she did it with her sons. I used to laugh like them and Joseph, her two sons, have been out of the house since they were 21. They're 69, so that's 40 years. And she would cry every time they left. <laughs> I was like, you think you would get used to this saddling all this time? She would get up and watch them leave and she would stand at the door until they left the street. My granny used to write letters to her friends and really was dedicated. Like my granny on reflection was so romantic in her life. Although probably not so much with my granda Oliver. <laughs> but I see so much romance with her children and her friends. Another quote that I love is, and this was really a quote from when I was about 29, 30 that really helped me. It's from a French poet who I'm not even going to try and butcher the name. Love does not consist of gazing at each other, but looking outward together in the same direction. And I think that's so important on reflection. Like I would have got into a relationship with anybody I loved in my 20s and 30 and never thought about the future and whether it would work you know I don't know if that's a common experience but when you're young you just be like oh I love him and I'm gonna go out with him and you don't really think things through whereas now I would be very careful about who I enter relationship now because life's too precious now at this stage I think I could have friendships and connection but to enter a relationship and open my heart again I just wouldn't do that with anybody like I did when I was young 
and I definitely know who I want to be with and know what works now. There's definitely people that I can have a connection with, but I know our lives don't align and so I wouldn't pursue it. People thought this was really interesting on Instagram too. I got a lot of response around this research that Helen Fisher shared. The brain system for attachment is a different brain system for romantic love. You can feel deep attachment for one person while feeling intense romantic love for somebody else. That's from a neuroscience page I follow on Instagram. And I thought that was really interesting too. You know, the difference between attachment and romantic love. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Oh, oh, another wee chicken. Who will I call you? Because I don't want to reveal your name. Another wee dote who works in mental health services. She shared the quote, we accept the love we think we deserve from the perks of being a wallflower. I think there's a lot to unpack in that. Especially if we look at the history of women. Within a hundred years, we went from marrying for financial reasons. We married to have a man who could provide for us and to have children. And usually it was arranged by families. And then it changed to not a financial arrangement to marrying for love. Monogamy was one person for life. And now it's one person for a time. For a long time marriage was preserved because women had to put up with a lot you weren't allowed to leave your husband no matter if there was domestic violence if there was addiction then the divorce rates increased when women realized that they deserved better love they deserved a better life and to be treated better however there's still that psychological infrastructure where we think that the love we accept is the love that we deserve. I believe that's something that we're collectively all healing, especially if we look at our parents' marriages, our grandparents' marriages and those relationships and what love looked like in those. Each one of us is healing that lineage of expanding love and treating women better and loving better and being deeply connected and through evolution, right? We are expanding love. Like we are more kind and loving than our ancestors and the cruelty and the way different groups were treated years ago. And I know there's a lot of cruelty in this world still, but things have got better from the past. I'll tell you about my other two great loves. So my first one was my granny. My second is Rebecca Shepherd. I met Rebecca when my heart was closed. I would make friends. I used to work in pre-work and I wouldn't make friends with anybody. I was just really cold. Trauma made me close off with people. I wasn't interested. I didn't want to make new friends. I sort of kept myself to myself in pre-work. And I did have a group of friends outside of it. However, there was a girl called Rachel McCann who worked in Primark. I knew Rachel through my best friend Dorla from school. And so Rachel got into my heart through default of relationship with Orla. Rachel was friends with everybody in Primark. Everybody. I mean, she was like a Labrador. 
biggest heart. Rachel passed away when we were 20. 16 years ago, her anniversary was just on the 7th of February there. We were all out the night before she passed as a group of friends for one of Rachel's best friends, Jennifer, and a good friend of mine's birthday. And Rachel died in her sleep. She broke my heart open. I noticed that when I was 20 was when me and Rebecca fell in love. And we've been so tight since. Rebecca is hilarious. She's like Joanne McNally, funny. Like she makes me cry every day of my life. She is literally the wittiest person I know. She will make you squee with laughter. We were wild when we were younger in our 20s. We had so much fun. She's funny and wild like Joanne McNally. However, she's well presented and tidy and organized like Vogue. It's a real mix. Call over. She's <laughs> Beck is more of an anxious traveler than me. I put her through the ringer quite a few times. I'm so lucky to have such a best friend and such a deep love. And we've been so close for like 10, 10, well, how many years now? Oh, fuck. 16 years. Jesus, it's been that long. Crazy. Another great love of mine is Holly Clawson. I find it interesting people that I fell in love with later in life. I met Holly when I moved to London because of a relationship and a job. It's funny how things don't work out and amazing things unfold. Me and Holly went to university together, but we weren't close. And then we were in Australia at the same time, but again, we knew each other, but we didn't love each other. Then I moved to London and that was it. Madly in love with each other. Both Holly and Rebecca, I have so much romance and so much fun. Yeah, they're relationships that bring, I just don't know what I would ever do without them. Holly, I speak to nearly every day. Voice notes. It's sort of like we have the same brain, the way we think. Yeah, I feel like she's an extension of me. She gives me great advice. She always keeps me right. I think both. Holly and Rebecca just make me laugh so much and bring so much joy and I'm so grateful. Those are my three great loves. I hope you have a gorgeous Valentine's Day. I hope you write love letters. I hope you write love letters to people you love and more importantly yourself. It's a really good exercise is to write yourself a love letter and then you'll get to the truth of how much you love yourself. Because... In my experience, especially when I first met that type of work, it, it isn't easy. Yeah, that's my crack. I'm going to go to Australia now. I'm going to go to this airport and try and find this man with my passport that I give all this money to and try and get out of Bali and get back in. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you liked it, please like and subscribe. Again, this is such a tiny little baby that we're trying to get rolling and tumbling over. Do you know what I would love from you? It's for you to send me your most most romantic experiences of your life. I would love that. Or like, I would love you to do something romantic and share with me on Instagram what romantic gesture you did. Yes, of course, for your partner, but maybe a stranger, maybe 
a friend, maybe someone you haven't seen in years. Yeah, do something fun. I will let you know my crack from Australia. Hopefully I get there. And I'll have some juicy stories to tell you when I come back. Take care and I'll speak to you really soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Wise Yourself Up podcast. I have been your host, Carla McGreevey.